Hey there, all Beer Inside listeners. While we're on hiatus from our YouTube show, we are presenting backlog of our episodes we previously recorded for the YouTube channel. This is audio from episode 18 of the YouTube show, which was originally released on March 20th, 2020. If you enjoy this episode, the YouTube show, or all Beer Inside in general, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, the brand new trendingtopicsnetwork.com, or most other listing avenues for this podcast. We also kindly ask that you rate, review, subscribe, and leave comments to wherever you are getting this wonderful sound. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Beer Inside Interviews. I'm your not-so-humble host, Carp, and today we are in the Old Port with the gentleman from Pub Brewski. We have Derek and Zach. Hello. Thanks for having us today, guys. Hey. Appreciate hey. it. Thanks. So, uh, what's the beer story? What brought you two together to create Pub Brewski? The beer story, let's say, what... It's kind of a long one. We started the bar upstairs, uh, me, Guillaume, and my other partner, Karin, who is my wife. Uh, we started the bar about five years ago upstairs. We were looking for a place for about two years to start a brewery and then couldn't find anything. The permits were hard. We didn't have enough money. So we found a place on Craigslist <laughs> and that was just for sale. And we came, we visited it, and we we're like, this, it works. This is what it, it's like. It, the price was right. Didn't really like the location, but we're like, we can probably make it work. And then went from there. After four months, five months, decided to jump onto finding a contract brewery. Mm-hmm. Was able to find a contract brewery that uh, that did like our first beer, which was the Buck Ale in, um, in uh, Drummondville. Did two or three beers with them. Then found something a little bit more local because it was just 45-minute drive, hour drive to go test the products. And you're like not too sure. It was a little bit harder. So we found something more local. And then we stayed with them for the rest of the, for the, rest of the thing. But then we were getting quality issues. Like every brewery that does contract stuff, we started getting quality issues, decided to figure out what are we going to do. And then uh, the space opened up downstairs. This used to be a museum. Um, it was just uh, pretty much an open space with absolutely nothing. And then we decided to jump on the uh, on it about two years ago. It took about a year to build it up. Mm-hmm. And then we were able to get the brewery open uh, almost a year to the day now. <clears throat> and finally, the uh, the brewery itself was put in and we outputted our first beers in October. Uh, so, Zach, what, you, what brought you into? Um, well, essentially, well, Derek and I used to play in a band together, uh, <laughs> played in a hardcore, hardcore band together. Uh, I've been working with, uh, Karin for like eight, eight or nine years, uh, in different restaurants and whatnot. And, uh, we started, Derek and I, I, I was a bartender here for, uh, for a couple of years. And then Derek and I started, um, a like travel YouTube show called Porno, spelled with a P-O-U-R-N-O. It's not, it's gross, but it's not that gross. It's not as gross as you think it is. It's just slow-mo pouring shots. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, we went and we interviewed all kinds of brewers and we, we sat with the likes of like, uh, uh, John Kimmich and, and, um, we, I, I got extremely inspired. And so I'd asked Derek if he would, um, kind of take me under his wing and, uh, we started home brewing uh, together. Um, and ever since I, I caught the bug and I couldn't stop, so now uh, now I brew with Derek professionally that's, here, and that's awesome. So, yeah, it's a home uh, brewer's dream come true. So you brought me out some tasty beers to try today. Uh, what am I starting with? Uh, that is the Cumulus, which is our last can release. It's a oat cream pale ale with Galaxy and Citra. So really smooth, easy to drink. Really turned out great. That lovely hoppy nose. Of it. Yeah, well, yeah. So it's. What's the alcohol percentage on this? It's 5.5. Five. 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 It's not too bad. Yeah, that's the type of beer I love. 
it's a nice easy drinker. It's like it's because the pale ale version of beers is always that. It's pretty much an IPA, but a five five is not an IPA. So, yeah. <laughs> so we just call it pale ales. Yeah, I don't. I'm yeah. not catching five five. I'm getting the right level of bitterness on my tongue, so it's yeah, it's great. So yeah. One thing we at least try to do, like pretty much all the beers have a certain amount of bitterness to mm-hmm. them. They don't just like it's not just the juice forward yeah. ones. I love that aspect, but I do also like the the dryness that you get from a bit of bitterness on the back end. Mm-hmm. Like crushability is yeah. important. Yeah, I, I love using the word crushable. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, sure. oh, look, a 10% Imperial Stout. Let's try it. Oh my God, this is super crushable. This is not safe. Yeah. So uh, what were some difficulties in roadblocks you ran into first? Because you mentioned like you found a Craigslist yeah. thing and then the contract ruin was a problem. Uh, but bringing this equipment in, Getting permits, like what kind of difficulties were those? The the permits weren't so bad. the uh, The alcohol permits for the terrace outside was was so long for no reason because it was just an extension of our of our actual permit. Because mm-hmm. we like the unified permits that last year were now you just have the same address and they just extend permits on them. Uh, but like it took what should have taken about three we- weeks took about two and a half months. And it was like we were pretty much running the terrace without a permit at some point because it's just like we have to yeah. we have to make money, especially in the old port. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're, it's all the revenues yeah. on terrace, especially now like across with the giant wheel and, and yeah. the zip line. You're getting just spillover, I'm sure. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. I'm assuming you're not allowed kids inside the brew pub. No, so you need we can't the terrace. Ha- exactly. Yeah. We don't have kids. We don't have we, because we are a brew pub, so it's a beer license. Apart from that, the construction, well, just fitting. If you see the size of the equipment here, fitting that equipment in here was one hell of an ordeal <laughs> because it's very, very big. Probably, like for sure, one of the biggest brew pubs mm-hmm. in well. For sure in Quebec in terms of equipment size, because we have a 14 hectoliter like a system, double tanks to 28 hectoliters. And we brought them all in through a tiny little door. Like pretty much we'd have to open up the, the doors of the lauder ton to get it through the through the actual hole. That, that was an interesting <laughs> yeah. let me tell you. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming it's some sort of older building, so it's probably protected. Yeah. So it's yeah. like you can't just take out a window to bring everything in. You could, but they wouldn't fit through the window anyway. It's too okay. uh it's like the windows are too small. It was I, I wasn't sleeping the, yeah. the day before he came in. I was like, I don't know if it's gonna make it in. And uh-huh. it was it took almost two weeks to just get the equipment in and with hydraulic lifts to flip them up and put them into position. Yeah. Uh, that's busy. Yeah. And the the other hardest one was the uh the floor here is like 42 inches of concrete. Okay. It took 5 weeks of demo to just make one trench. Oh my so God. that we can so we can put drains in. Wow. That's <laughs> uh, a lot of work. Yeah. But, uh worth it in the end at least. Yeah. That's, uh, Slow us down nice. but Yeah. Uh where'd you come up with the name Pub Brewski? Uh that's cuz I was into beer. Guillaume my partner was into uh, whiskey, mm-hmm. so when we w- the whole idea of the upstairs pub was we we're going to offer good beers, good whiskey, beer, whiskey, brewski. Cool, as easy as that. And simplicity is, is the best way to go. Sometimes. Hence why the W is big because it yeah. gives you that whiskey. You can almost see whiskey and you see the brew inside of it. Uh, what's the second beer you brought me today? That's the uh, Règle de Trois. Three rules. Yeah, it's the triple IPA. Okay, it was made with Idaho Gem, which is a new hop. Mm-hmm. Idaho Seven. And uh, Simcoe. Simcoe. Yeah. Yeah. 7%, uh, 10. 10, 10%. Yeah. yeah. Early morning for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is no like St. Patrick's Day sitting back drinking a 10%. It'll get you there. Quick. No hints of a 10%, though. No booziness at all. No. Mm. Yeah, this is really smooth. Yeah, because the, these ones, when we do the triples, that was in a tank for almost almost four weeks. Okay. Just to let it mellow out, because yeah. they they come out sharp quick. 
but then just let it mellow out a bit and then lay and then once uh because that was released maybe a week and a half ago okay. and it's hitting its nice peak right yeah. now where it's just smoothed out and yeah, the, the sharpness sitting in the keg it seems yeah. to really age quite well it yeah trip get smoother and and rounder as as the time goes by yeah the high abv and high hop ones seem to have like you're kind of looking good three weeks after kegging to uh to even like a month or two months after sometimes you taste them and you're like wow this is getting better every time yeah, that's yeah. awesome very unique names and labels uh, who come who came up with names and or labels oh the names are the most problematic aspect of, of brewing, I'd say, because we change all the time. Sometimes I wish we just like stayed with one style of beer. Because when when we were running it upstairs, we came up with names, and then we just started throwing numbers because mm-hmm. I was just annoyed with it. And then downstairs, we started <clears throat> doing it, like coming up with more names and trying to see what we can do with it. We're trying to stay maybe on the sense of somewhat sciencey names for our main IPA line, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones, we're just kind of throwing stuff together. But the we kind of just sit around and we try to figure out what the best name is, and uh, it's group effort. Pretty much everybody yeah. does it. Yeah, there's a lot of throwing around names, yeah. a lot of throwing around some terrible names. <laughs> yeah, a lot of moments of like hilarious <laughs> names that unfortunately just can't be used yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, uh, there's uh, there's a brewery I think it's in the states. Uh, it's a very inappropriate name, and people are like, "How are you getting away with this?" It's like the customers called it that. It's still on your social media. That, Part of it, Mel, you're part of cancel culture now. You can't really do that kind of yeah. stuff. So. <laughs> I don't yeah. think people are going to be beer trading for that yeah, uh, exactly. across the country. Uh, the labeling, where does that come from? So pretty much all the labels, we get it done with Fiverr. Okay. Like We used to try to do with local artists and stuff, but it's because of the, the amount of output, and we're only putting out maybe uh, 1,500 cans, 2,000 mm-hmm. cans, and they're just single run, so we just we have to spend a little bit less. Okay. So we just get it done on Fiverr, and then we get them printed with uh, heart print in, uh, in Montreal. Yeah, that's you're actually the third uh, brewery we've been to who's yeah. using heart. So it's, yeah. uh, it's more environmentally friendly, to my understanding, which is great. It, it is, but most it's, we look, it, it's just so much easier for us because you can... You, you want like 70 cans, yeah. they'll print you 70 cans. Yeah. So, and the alternative is uh, is just labeling. And labeling will end up costing more than, mm-hmm. than printing. It's once you get to a big enough volume, it becomes like, questionable if you should be printing or... Uh, well, hard print will be more expensive than sleeving. Yes. So people go towards the sleeve. But mm-hmm. for us, we're not going to bring back the same beer time and time again. We don't have space to store it. So just the hard print stuff yeah. is the way to I go. I believe it was one of our earlier interviews. He said the Reggie wants everybody to move to these because legally uh, yeah the environment. legally what it is is that the the labels in most cases are not legal mm-hmm. and the sleeve is barely it's because they, they allow a certain amount of uh of contaminants inside okay. their aluminum which this abides by but mm-hmm. like the second you throw a label on there it's it's there's more contaminants yeah. than what's legally allowed mm-hmm. same thing with the sleeve so they really the, right now there's everybody is kind of on borrowed time that are doing the sleeve stuff because it's just not as, as easy to, to do it. So at some point, it might crack I, I wouldn't mind being on Hart's uh, financial books, personally, the way they're going, from what I've heard from all the yeah. brewers. It's, but then you have a lot of people love the uh, are, lay, are collectors of labels, mm-hmm. so they don't necessarily like these as much. For the vast majority, it doesn't matter. Like You just get the can, you drink it, you throw it out, but then you have the rare person that's like, I want to have that label, and pull that label and put it in a book or... Well, uh, to me, I think at that point, you, like that's another market you can maybe tap into is just have the label like in cellophane or something, or a frame yeah. and sell it to somebody. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure people would buy it. People buy almost everything. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when it came to brewing beer, uh, Zach, what was the first beer you ever brewed? First beer I ever brewed was a double double New England IPA. 
yeah. yeah. We, we actually uh, filmed it on the show, right? We filmed it yeah. on the show. <laughs> this is my first ever homebrew. It was a mess, but luckily Derek was there to, uh, to clean it up a little bit. And uh, it turned out okay for the most part and i got like super excited and super overconfident i'm like i could do this like the next beer after i decided to throw a full carrot cake into a beer and it was a disaster i was like how how to take me off of my my high horse you know it's just like no it's still beer like there's still there's still uh general principles to making beer so you can't just throw shit in it so then like building yourself up to come crashing down exactly (laughs) harsh realities man harsh realities the second you think you're getting good at it you're like something just throws you a curveball and you're like what the hell is this yeah and yourself Derek, what was the first beer you ever brewed it must have just been a regular pale ale okay Uh, it's about 11 years ago so (laughs) it's a long time yeah uh, uh so Collaborations? Have you done any? Or, or, yeah, or, and any collaborations either with a distillery and maybe a coffee. Um, so, in let's say in our history, we did one of the uh, one of our good friends is the owner of Vagabond Brewery. Okay. So our first collaboration was with them. We made a uh, a sour with Grosse. Uh, I don't know what that is in English. Uh, it's red currant. Okay, okay with red currant. And uh, so that was like our first collaboration because their anniversary is about like one week difference than ours. Or, uh, <laughs> so we did it like that. And then similarly, uh, when we opened up the tap room last year, uh, there was Overhop. Mm-hmm. Overhop, which were even here yesterday, were also, they, their anniversary is now. It was yesterday. Yeah, they're, they're one of their future interviews. They're, uh, they yeah. told me they're renovating right now. So yeah, like, they're building whenever you're ready, guys, let us know. So, yeah. so, we, so last year, they celebrated their anniversary here, mm-hmm. and we had made a, uh, an, acai blue, an acai and a blueberry sour. Okay. So That was a really cool beer. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was super smooth, but had a really mm-hmm. nice tartness to yeah. it. And acai is something really not... Uh, not used very often yeah, in the no, brewing world. It's nice it's and earthy. Like, nice yeah. and earthy. The concept yeah. was to make a, a beer that had something of Brazil and something from here. Mm-hmm. So the blueberry and the acai yeah. made, made the yeah. one. Cool. And then the uh, apart from that, we are pretty. We just did made, did one with Shelton Brewery, okay. which is going to be a carrot cake, uh, carrot cake pastry porter, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's a brown, but it's like yeah. a we're, pastry brown doesn't sound very good, yeah. so we're calling it pastry uh, porter. I mean, there's so much amazing stuff <laughs> you could do with beer now. Uh, yeah. Like whoever is just like, I'm gonna throw in banana bread. Oh, I have yeah. banana bread beer. It's delicious. So. It's what we've been doing <laughs> yeah. the last two weeks have been ridiculous. Yeah. We have a taco beer. We have uh, <laughs> well, um, the the sours up the street. I had a jalapeno beer yeah. and like a spice mm-hmm. poutine. I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> but I can't finish. So. Why is this not refreshing yeah. me? <laughs> this hurts, but I spent money. I have to. So, uh, any future collaborations you guys want to do? Quebec, Ontario, Canada, uh, the world. I think one of the major ones we're looking forward to is going to be We've been trying to. We've been talking about it for a while. We'd be hooking up with uh, Wood Brothers in Ontario. Yes. Okay, that would be one of the ones that we want to try to set up. Been trying to see how we can get stuff in in Vermont, but everybody's so busy on all sides. Yeah. And but it'd be nice to try to get something from the other side. But we've been sending out a little bit of requests. Mm. Nothing really is biting that much. Yeah, and there's so many breweries in Vermont that I still. Uh, this summer alone, I had 22 Vermont breweries. Yeah, over this summer, and there's still 40 to go. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, it's ridiculous. They're all busy. Yeah. They're all, yeah. and they probably are just like just getting so many requests to do mm-hmm. uh, to do collaborations yeah. that yeah. it's not pushing them so much. But Zach, yeah. any dream collaborations? Yeah, no. Like uh, like Derek said, that'd be that would be really cool to try and try and do a collaboration with um, 
with some people in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, if some chance some sort of Belgian collaboration could be cool as well, like <laughs> considering the history of, yeah, of very, Belgian style beers so. here in here in Quebec, I think yep. we've uh, we've been uh, wanting to explore more and more um, wild fermentation and uh, try to try to discover more of that side. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that could be cool as well. If we can. Uh, so my understanding, wild fermentation is a very new thing in Quebec. Not really. Or it's finally um, just being allowed. The the only part about the wild fermentation would be spontaneous fermentation that okay. just became legal probably about two years ago or a year and a half ago. Yeah. But the mixed fermentation mm-hmm. or wild fermentation, as long as it was pitched with an amount of yeast, it didn't matter. Okay. It, it would yeah. still work. Okay. Cool. It's just the uh, like just oh, having a cool ship and letting it ferment out like that. That's been recently. That's new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, that's new. That's so, exciting for sure. Yeah, because we had like the laws made it that you had to inoculate. You had to put some sort of yeast. But then people would just say, oh, you just take one grain of like one dry uh, dry yeast, throw yeah. that in. Mm-hmm. Technically, you've had <laughs> you've there's, done there's it. There's a and way around it. everything. Right? <laughs> well, that's my understanding of gluten-free beer is that there's like so faint of a trace of gluten that anybody intolerant won't taste it. But there's still technically gluten in it. It's like 0.001% or something. So. Mm. I'm not sure. Definitely yeah. a way to go about it. Yeah. Uh, what's beer number three you brought me today? That's pretty much the only flagship we keep on, mm-hmm. which is our Peanut Buster. So, like, the first two can releases we ever did were that beer. It's a uh, like oatmeal stout with lactose, and then we have peanut so that's a lovely Reese's Pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this beer. Uh, I brought it around. We did one of our beer tastings with the guys, and we're just like... It's Reese. No, it's peanut butter cups. No, it's the little chocolate <laughs> ones. No, you're you're wrong. <laughs> well, I guess the, the the imperial version might have thrown you a curve. Yeah, I, I unfortunately missed out on the imperial. Uh, okay, I, I didn't crap, uh, catch any cans, unfortunately. So I was cool with the 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 dosing of that started off very very delicate. I would say <laughs> we started off just going slowly and adding like a little bit of coconut, you know, and a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of nibs, yeah. and then like. We were like, okay, more, more, yeah. more, and that, that was like a, I don't know, that was like, what, like an eight-hour process. Of it was dosing. a two-day, two-day, two times eight hours, pretty two much. Times wow. Eight hours, and we just like finally got to a point where it was like, okay, this is super decadent, you know. <laughs> and it was, it was. No, I'm kind of sad. Really, really uh, so mentioning canning, you guys have canning events. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very unique. I've never seen that before uh, in Quebec. So, in the sense of uh, like having it as an event, release. like are new cans uh, releasing? Do you like can on property and then just bring them out? Yes. So, well, the the first one that we did, we tried to, we tried to do a live canning, which didn't exactly turn out because by the time we were done canning it, it was already uh, it was at three p.m. and there wasn't that many people. It was three p.m. on a on a Thursday or something. Okay. <laughs> so okay. yeah. so it, it, then it, we wanted to have it a little bit over. We might try to do it again mm-hmm. at, at some point, like doing something where they we start canning a little bit later. And then the people can come and pretty much take them off the line. Okay. Now we're, what we're doing is we're just canning on Wednesdays and then we're releasing on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Because if we release on Saturday or Friday, it's just we're too busy already. Mm-hmm. So it gets crazy. So we want to like try to move it towards a Thursday so people still have a little bit more time. And yeah. There'd be zero chance of doing that during the summer. It's just so touristy here. That- We'd be able to do it during the summer almost just as easy because because the insides are empty. Mm-hmm. So like you could just have somebody at the counter here and deal with it very easily because okay. people don't come inside during yeah, the summer. Yeah, we're on the yeah. yeah, every like you get the if the terrace is full, yeah. then you get the overflow. Apart from that, it's it's oh, like, it's that, desolate. That's how inside. I ended up here because yeah. I'd gone to your uh, your original brew pub upstairs yeah. a bit. It was full, and me and my friend in the summer. So it's like oh, the back terrace, back terrace is full. Okay, back to the front. Front terrace is full. Well, let's go into the tap room. <laughs> so, uh, 
It's yeah. uh, it's good because you guys were super busy that day. Yeah, I was told like a half hour for just two people. I'm like, I'm just gonna go drink inside. I don't have yeah. time for this. So. Yeah, well, that's the uh, like we got a lot of people just due to overflow because that's mm-hmm. always how it's been. But at least downstairs, the uh, you're inside a place that has light because yes. I was like the first year when we opened, I think our first clients that sat at the bar inside must have been like four months in because <laughs> we opened up it's pretty much in summertime mm-hmm. and then nobody was inside and people would only come in go to go to the bathroom and go oh this place looks nice and then just go to the bathroom <laughs> and then leave and you're like God are we gonna uh, get people in here someday? That's not great. <laughs> I mean, slow start when you think about it, but oh, yeah. you, from what I see, you're successful, which is great. Yeah. I know you guys are super busy, uh, beer vacations prior to being super busy, and maybe any upcoming beer vacations. I think, uh, yeah, I think the, the like year before the brewery opened, I think I might have been in Vermont like eight times in the year. <laughs> Derek and I, like for sure, we go quite as often as we can. I think in the future, we're planning on going to uh, Richmond soon, mm-hmm. uh, well, Virginia area in general, and uh go around there and spot some a couple breweries over there clearly we like uh we like this smoothie vice style so we're we're gonna go explore people that are doing it real well uh, down the states uh we're doing the craft brewers conference as well and uh it's about that for the next little What's bit in, uh, Sten- san antonio this san antonio, year yeah. this year at san antonio uh yourself derek any other beer beer occasions uh not like f- what i have planned is pretty much i'm going with zach to virginia okay. and uh but apart from that, it's pretty much any vacation I take mm-hmm. is a beer vacation. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I, I just came back, well, a few months ago from Hawaii and did every brewery over there. And uh, just always trying to find a flavor, find something. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the idea is always to come back from vacation with something cool in mind, right? Yeah, something so I really want to make a pineapple Fermenting something. in your brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's inspiring, you know. Yeah. The, the, the amount of breweries that they have down south is just like overwhelming yes. and so there's just so much room to to learn and to to expand uh yeah expand your horizons because like the peanut buster came from the like most of my big beers came from vacation stuff like i the peanut buster i tried a beer in germany that was a beer from california and i was like what that what is this i yeah. never tried a, a peanut a peanut butter beer yeah, before and sure. then I came back going, I need to make this one. So I came back from Germany going, I'm going to make a peanut butter stout. <laughs> I know, uh, like just in the Northeast sector, I mean, you could hit uh, Grand Rapids in Michigan, huge beer scene there. Yeah. Maine's got like 80 something breweries, but they're all kind of spread out, which is, you have to spend like a month in Maine to, to hit <laughs> many of the breweries. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I'm assuming you guys get in your BMC drinkers, Bud Molsakurs. What do you suggest they try when they come in? It really depends on. On what they're willing to take, mm-hmm. so we always have a blonde on tap that we try to let let the people take, and that's what we'll push them towards. Otherwise, uh, we'll just go towards like the juiciest IPA, or if we have a smoothie Weiss, those are easy to to, to go towards. Mm-hmm. Anything that just has a low amount of bitterness. And what's nice about giving people a New England IPA that's just really light on the bitterness, something like the first one you had, the yeah. Cumulus would mm-hmm. would fit nicely because. It's just an easy drinking beer, and it it kind of the idea would be to get the people to like change their idea of what hoppy means because it's one of the terms I hate the most when they go into a bar and they go, "I don't want a hoppy beer." It's yeah. like, "What do you mean? Do you mean bitter? Do you mean like fragrant? Yes. Do you mean fruity? Do you Floral. mean there's so, so many descriptors?" So it because it, the over too many people use the hoppy as just meaning bitter. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't understand that the when they go to a bar and they say, I don't want a hoppy beer, that they're probably only talking about the old-style West Coast IPAs. Yeah. So sure. that's usually what we try to veer people towards. But we do have like a big list of beers here. 
we have every style, so we're able to go from a red to a white to uh, the fruited stuff to the stouts. We always have something available for everybody. That's one of the biggest things that we have to do is because we are that restaurant, mm-hmm. we are that brew pub, we can't just be one one thing because then people, they want to come here, they want to have food. But okay, great. We Half our business is food. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to have the people be satisfied with what they're able to take in terms of, of products. Mm-hmm. And same thing, like, because downstairs we're 100% Canadian products. So wines and everything mm-hmm. it's the same thing we're just 100 percent because you, you have your, your multiple license to see you have yeah. hard alcohol and exactly stuff, so. and like you said you guys started as a whiskey beer bar so. yeah which is like that's the the pub remains that mm-hmm. pub has just uh you go into it and you kind of just take any kind of alcohol you want you can take whiskey and downstairs we wanted to just push quebec products okay well mainly quebec mm-hmm. then a lot of canadian products too. very cool What's uh, the last beer you brought me today? I guess the, we, we're calling it our project series. It's mm-hmm. pretty much what we um, what we brew on, on our small batch system. Um, we have a 200 liter system where we can experiment and try different things. Uh, like Derek and I, every time we come back from Vermont, we're always saying the same thing. God, I wish we could have like Hetty Topper on tap. <laughs> so this is, I guess, kind of an homage to uh, those kind of classic style IPAs from Vermont. Um, we do them nice and crisp. Mm-hmm. We do them kind of sharp. They're hoppy as hell, but they're not your, I guess, what's kind of the the juice that's mm-hmm. kind of going on with New England IPAs now. This is more of the classic version of that, so it's still got a nice bitter kick to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it's kind of our attempt to have the beers that we love and always come back to on tap for us to drink <laughs> yeah i've always thought if i ever got into brewing i would just like go to a brewery and just pour it into like a, a test tube and just sneak it back <laughs> and be like how do i brew this a lot of people do man yeah. a lot of people do they, they just... culture the yeast from the cans and they and they and they exactly. try to reproduce it at home we didn't we didn't go that hardcore with it <laughs> yeah. we just went kind of based on our palates of what what we what we uh what we like from that area oh, that's maybe. very good i crush this so. yeah and it's an eight five too so oh my god so <laughs> okay um drive the, I- <laughs> the idea around is like we on those ones like that's uh like you said a crisp one so mm. ferments really low uh the water profile is completely different than what we do on our other new england ips so the idea is like where vermont beers were maybe 10 years ago instead of where they are now mm-hmm. or where quebec is now just like that hazy still like development style of new england ips yeah i can't believe you told me that's 8.5 yeah. Because that, no, that <laughs> like, the biggest thing is that we wanted, we do a lot of New England IPAs, which is because that's what we like to brew. It's also but, the popular style, right? Now. Of course. For sure. But what we like, the important part, and it's always something that, that we try to look at is let's, let's make it so that you can have six different New England IPAs and they all taste completely different. Be it because of their water profile is different, their, their, the hops, they're not like, except maybe an overlapping citra hop that would be part of a lot of the brews. It's not always there and it's not necessarily the dominant hop unless we want it to be. But then you taste every beer will have a different, mm-hmm. a different flavor. Cause sometimes I, if I, if there's too many of the same beers, you, after the second IPA, you just can't taste anything. You can't tell what it is. Yeah, sure. But if you're jumping from something like the Vermont, going to the, the, the triple, going mm. to the cumulus, you can always taste the, the beer. Going to like an oat cream yeah. and uh, yeah. things like that, which is really a, an interesting style for us. So. Yeah. Usually when I do a tasting, I was trying to start with like the lager or the base scale yeah. and then work my way up to like more wild things. So. Yeah. And obviously, uh, I like to do it, but. Uh, IBU is subjective, I see. So 
It's just like go with the lowest IBU and then work your way up so that the people who can't really stand bitter, they end on bitter, but they've already had a bunch of good beers yeah. in the meantime. So. Yeah. Uh, now, I know you guys usually do guest taps here as well. Uh, barely. Okay. You, it, it was during the summertime mm-hmm. and we started to do like, – there was always that question, should we? Uh, f- when we were building up, we're like, yeah, for sure, we're going to keep the, those taps on. However, they just, they're sleeper taps. Okay. We put them on and nobody buys them mm-hmm. because they come here, they want to have our products. So unless it's like a banger from a, from a specific company or one keg will go somewhat quickly because we have enough regulars that come where they've had all our beers and then like, oh, look, something new. The second keg is eternal though. Right? Okay. You pass through the first one, you could go through one in a, in a weekend yeah. and then the second keg will last two, three weeks sometimes. No, which, which makes sense, right? Yeah, like yes. people get here and they see these tanks and they're like, well, no, I want to drink with yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Unless, yeah, that makes a lot more sense because uh, uh, I think it was when you kind of just first opened this area. It was like I think it was Lagavier, Shelton. You had a bunch of yeah. What, well, I'm what, assuming your friends. Brewers, it's so. when we opened. We pretty much when we like two months after, three months after we opened, our uh, our contract brewer closed, okay. so we weren't able to brew anymore. And then I went out, I got like, we did collaborations with uh, Avant Garde and then did a collaboration with LTM, to get beers on tap. And then I did a little bit of contract brewing with LTM, but it just, we couldn't, I, I couldn't take the time to do proper control on stuff. And the products we were getting were just, they were okay, but I wasn't a hundred percent satisfied with them Yeah, sure. because I was just learning how, and I didn't want to, because you have to learn how every brewery tastes. Mm-hmm. Everybody has different tastes just, just based on the equipment. It's distinct. And it takes a while to learn that. Like, so taking the time to necessarily learn that and get 2000 liters of it and was, so was, wasn't exactly what we wanted to do. So we just kind of stopped. And at that point, it just the whole we, our our stocks, our reserve disappeared, and the board just filled up with uh, with other people's beer, okay. which was we were going through like forty, fifty at least different products a week. Wow, just constant rotation. Yeah, that's, that's good though. That's busy. Yeah, they, everybody was really happy until we stopped. Uh, <laughs> we stopped sharp because we we're going through three thousand five hundred liters of people's beers per yeah. week, and then the second our production started, we just completely cut that off and mm-hmm. filled um, up the board. Yeah. And I was and I was also getting annoyed at some point of having other people's beers on tap, and then people like we'd read reviews sometimes and go, "Oh, their beer, like Brewski's beers, aren't that great." And I'm like, yeah. "It's not our beers. I don't I don't mind that you write that. Mm-hmm. It's but it's uh, it's not fun if it's like you know that none of your beers are on tap." Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of on tap or untapped, so yeah. you guys are a verified venue on untapped. Yeah. Uh, we've been for like we were almost the first ones in Montreal. Okay. Uh, do you help that? Do you find that helps drive the beer snobs? Hundred percent, especially because we were trying to find something in because for a long time it wasn't mu- like much part of the the beer culture mm-hmm. in uh, in Montreal, yes. but it was huge in the in the U.S. and we are more than anything and for the longest time the U.S. bar because mm-hmm. we get all the the people that were traveling that would come here then they'd click on their app and automatically the verified venues would be sending people here from day one once we became verified we saw a big influx of people during the summertime of people wanting to because and even more when we uh the year after they developed the badge process mm-hmm. where you can have your own custom badge and then it's, it's people wanted to come in here to get that badge yeah so yeah, yeah. i'm one of those people so <laughs> so, so really it, 
it helps yeah. and it's great. Like it's we, a fantastic tool, right? Yeah. Like, it's great. I tool. think a lot of like a lot of brewers kind of resent it at, at a certain point, and it can be in like a crazy headache. It could it could drive you insane if mm-hmm. constantly you know watching the ratings and whatnot. But I mean, it's definitely a big a big tool, and it's it's super super useful to get people get people trying your beers and get people talking about your beers and yeah but in many cases it it will it is a bit limiting in mm. what you it makes it will make you do different deci- decisions sometimes like a can release you question should i be releasing a west coast ipa in a can and mm. for us we're like we'll just leave them on tap be- we'll make them we want them we want to have to be able to drink them but if you release them in cans then uh, suddenly it could affect your rating and then the rating in line makes how many people will actually come through your door that are the, uh, the, the beer people from around the world. They want that. So. Yeah, which is why it's like a, a, good, a good medium between us and the consumer. Yeah. You know? It lets us know, A, what the people want to drink and how they will respond to it too so we can keep learning and we can keep moving forward and progressing as a brewery. But it's really, it's one small percentage of the side of brewing. Mm-hmm. It's very important for those for those big beers, like the uh, the the big stouts, the mm-hmm. big like uh, fruited sours, and the big IPAs, it's great for that side. But any other side, my if if you if I'm looking at Untapped and I'm going, what are my big beers? I can tell it's going to be the the, the IPAs, it's going to be those juices, it's going to be the, those. But then I listen to my staff mm-hmm. that are serving people. They're like, what are the big beers? Oh, the West Coast, the uh, the like the clear the clear double IPAs. The uh, the whites that are the those are the ones like mm-hmm. the, the peanut buster those are the ones that the regular beer drinker wants. So it's really both sides. We have to look at it on a on a double on a double like on two yeah, on two ways exactly. Sense. I mean, even uh, like somebody's like, oh, I don't like this type of beer, so I really don't want it. It's like, then don't try that type of beer. Yeah. So don't give it a bad rating. Yeah, and some, some beers just naturally yeah. get bad ratings. You know, like you, you put a we had a pilsner on tap and. We love that pilsner, mm-hmm. you know. Like I was drinking that after work all the time. It was fantastic, uh, in, in my opinion. But the uh, uh, Untapped just doesn't rate those those beers well. Like you put you put the moment it's in the lager area, suddenly it just gets significantly downvoted. I think those are changing though. I don't but, get that because yeah. I'm if I have a lager to place because I know it is a pain in the butt to make, and that lager is good. You're getting a high rating from it. for sure. But I think it's it's changing yeah. that because the the beer consumer is. The untapped consumer is now doing both. They're, mm-hmm. They are going into breweries and they are having the pilsners and the pilsners and like, which is the main one that people do is just such a hoppy lager, right? Yeah. They're starting to get good ratings, but you have a blonde ale that that like blonde ale or red ale, all those they start like, yeah. if an equivalent of a four or five on that is a three point two. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the, if you have a three six, uh, you have a banger. If you yeah, have a red ale. Yeah, you always get the guy who's like, oh, I gave you a 2.5 on Untapped, but I only rate uh, Pilsners on three. So this is actually a, a great score for you guys. Good job. Keep up the good work. I, I hate, I Thanks, hate the, man. I hate those. I, especially the, I, uh, like, I really don't like reds. This is a good one. 2.3. Like, oh, man. What is Rough. this? Yeah, that's got to be a little morally frustrating at the same time, but you're just like. Well, it's yeah, part, it's part of the brewery's livelihood, you know. It's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, so speaking of Untapped, I know they do a festival. If you guys could bring your beer to the states or other provinces, would you? I I would for sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. It's just always hard because every festival, like the major ones, with the exception of like that cuvee that's happening mm-hmm. next week, is uh, is during the summertime. Yeah. 
and we get flooded with people. So we are, we're only doing two events, but if it'd be great if there's a little bit more winter events and then it becomes easier. Okay. Yeah. Let's get some beer out. Mm. We do have the volume to be able to get them out, but summertime is just getting those extra kegs. They're nice for exposure and they're nice to be yes. besides other, beside other places, get compared to them. That's nice. But in terms of, uh, or possible output gets gets problematic. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm fine with uh, like Laval's outdoors, which is great. Yeah, it rains. That's one so of the ones so, we're doing. Yeah, we did that uh, last year. My, I mean, the Mondial moved back to Windsor, which I complained about because I liked I liked the Palais de Congrès because you could keep expanding. Yeah, and then I felt like they just it was tiny rest, last yeah. year. So I'm a little frustrated with them. Uh, Bay will be my first time and. I'm going to be media, so this will be QV interesting. Great. I've never done anything. Yeah, and yeah. I know it's gin this year. I missed uh, was it scotch last year or whiskey? Uh, I know they do a different hard liquor every year. Okay. Oh, okay. So I always thought it was. Gin. I, know this I year always it's thought gin. it was whiskey. Okay. Yeah, I think it was last we, year. Was whiskey. We clearly go for the beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. I'm going for beer. I mean, I'm not the biggest gin fan in the world, but I'm going to try some distilled gin for sure. Oh, and Quebec's so, yeah. very well known yeah. for for some fantastic yeah. gins. So, well, exactly. Uh, so, what's next for the pub brewski brand? Oof. Just more and more releases, pretty much. That's what our main focus is on, because that's what's been nice for us. Because at this time of the year, we've been we were just like making these big batches of beer and then putting them on tap, and then it was taking a little bit of time, so we were just not producing as much. Mm -hmm. And now, since that we have the cans and they're coming out, we can sell two thousand liters. Suddenly, we can bring all our all our new beverages mm -hmm. <laughs> as much as possible. So probably just keep experimenting. Always trying to push push as much as we can in a direction and see if people like it. That's what's nice. We have that 200 liter system in the back allows us to just do anything cool. and we'll do, we'll go as crazy as we can and see if it works. And if it doesn't, not 200 liters, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. and it I'm sure somebody will definitely drink it. Yeah. Everybody will drink something yeah, once. It's, exactly. all, it's all about that second, that yeah. second cup of beer. Like, <laughs> but that's our, for now it's what it is. We're like just trying to ramp up production mm -hmm. and, uh, we, cause we did such a big jump last year and that's where we're going to stand for now. Increase quality and become better brewers. I think. Awesome. Definitely. Uh, so I have no other questions for you guys at this time. Let the people know where they can find you physically and on social media. All right, so there's uh, at Pub Brewski, or uh, on that's on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, that's about it. I don't really have my own personal there's accounts. A, there's a website. Yeah. Okay. There's a website. Yeah. Yeah, you could find me on Instagram, uh, just at Zach Huff and posting stupid beer photos all the time. And <laughs> Hey, welcome to my world. <laughs> uh, cool. So we're going to add everything in the show notes and... Uh, you can find us everywhere at All Beer Inside. And as, as I always say, drink craft, not crap. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Very appreciated. Thank you.